0: Hey, and welcome to this week's episode of the Mid-City Church Sermon Cast. We're in the third week of Lent, and we're going to be diving into the book of Romans, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, this endless cycle that we sometimes put ourselves in of messing up, making a mess of things, and then trying to earn God's grace and God's love again, and kind of what's wrong with that picture. So, you ready? Here we go. (music) So once upon a time, there came a day when I was convinced that there was nothing I could do to re-earn my parents' love. See, when I was 17, my parents had given me permission to start driving without first getting my permit or even my driver's license. And for the most part, I was actually a really good driver. I stayed under the speed limit, I always used my turn signals when uh, changing lanes or turning, I followed the right-of-way rules, I kept a safe distance between me and the car in front of me. Basically, I didn't drive in Louisiana. And uh, because I was such a good driver, my parents, they let me keep driving without my license. Just it, it started off as a go to the grocery store and then eventually drive yourself to school, drive yourself to your events, all that kind of stuff. Well, the more I drove, the more, confident, uh, more confidence I built up until eventually I started speeding more. I stopped using my turn signals. Honestly, I started becoming a bit of an aggressive driver. Uh, you can sum it all up by saying I became a 17-year-old driver, right? And then it happened. It was after a student council pool party where more students ended up showing up than was initially expected, which meant that there wasn't enough room in the school van to take everyone back to the school. So... Once the event was over, my dad, who was in charge of the student council at the time, he asked if I would be willing to drive some of my friends and colleagues uh, to their houses. So, uh, and that way, like, there'd be enough students to get into the 15-passenger van and go back to the school. So, of course, I said yes, because what better way to show off in front of your friends, uh, especially when you're 17, than to drive them home after a party, right? Well, as we're driving, I got to a point on the highway where I needed to take a left so that I could get on the interstate and make it to my friend's house a lot faster. And just as I started approaching the intersection, I noticed that at a distance, there was a train coming. And by the time I actually got to the intersection, the lights on the railroad tracks were already flashing, warning me to stop. Can you guess what I did? So if you guessed that I stopped, like a responsible driver who had three other passengers in the vehicle with him, well, you'd be wrong. For some reason, I thought that it would be a good idea to just floor the accelerator to try and beat the train across the tracks. Now, obviously, we know that I survived because I'm here today uh, I was talking in this sermon cast, right? So the worst, absolutely worst case scenario did not happen. But the second worst case scenario did So right as the train got closer to the crossing and I accelerated and flew over the tracks and uh, we made it safely on the other side. And as soon as the initial shock wore off, we started celebrating because deep down it was actually a pretty cool high adrenaline experience. And, And the best thing was that the train didn't even get close to us or at least that close to us. The car had no scratches, no dings. And unless one of us said anything to our parents, my parents would never find out. Unfortunately, the story didn't end like that. See, unbeknownst to me, just on the other side of the tracks, hidden behind some trees, was a police officer who saw the whole thing, and he must have immediately radioed it on their system. Because as soon as I turned onto the interstate, a cop pulled up behind me, turned on its lights, and pulled me over. Now, once it was all said and done, I was given three different tickets that day: one for not having a driver's license. One, uh, for not having insurance, which we did have insurance, but because I had never been pulled over before, I had no clue how to prove that we had insurance. And then the third ticket was for actually running across the tracks after the hazard lights had started flashing. Now, eventually the no insurance ticket was removed, but in the end, I ended up paying about $3,000 in tickets out of my own pocket, plus an extra $150 a year for three years for getting three citations in one year. Plus, I had to go to defensive driving And I actually had to get my driver's license, all of this before my court date. Now, the worst part of the night, uh, it wasn't the scare that we gave ourselves as I uh, sped past the the train tracks. It it wasn't getting pulled over and having to pay so much money out of my own pocket. It it wasn't even being told to step out of the car after having told the officer that I didn't have a driver's license. The worst part of the night uh, was how angry my parents were at me when they found out what I had done. Everything else paled in comparison to that. See, I've never seen them as mad as they were that night. They they both yelled at me uh, together, and then they both yelled at me separately, and then they yelled at each other, and there was so much yelling that I'm pretty sure I even yelled at myself in that moment. I mean, it was just a horrible night of all of us yelling at each other. And that night as I went to bed, I was convinced that this time I had finally done it, that I had messed up way too much, that this time there was no way my parents would ever forgive me, that for the rest of my life, they were simply going to hold this over me and constantly remind me of my mistake that night. You know, I think that sometimes we believe the same to be true about God. Sometimes we look at our lives and the mess we've made of things and we convince ourselves that God must be upset at us or angry at us or disappointed in us, ready to give up on us because unlike everyone else around us, we have really made a mess of things. And in those moments when we recognize the mess that we've made and and we're ready to change our ways, we convince ourselves that if we just try hard enough, that if we just do enough good acts, that surely God will find a way to forgive us. Now, what tends to happen to most of us is that after we make a big mess of things, we start going to church more often, right? Or we join a small group, or we volunteer more, or we're kinder to people on the interstate, or we watch our language, we even go above and beyond so that people will notice that we have changed our ways. And we do all of this, hoping that we will do enough good to earn back God's forgiveness and get a fresh start, right? But let's be honest, has it ever worked for you? I-, I don't think it ever works. If you've ever tried to do enough good that God will forgive you and forgive everything you've ever done, you know how impossible it is to keep that habit going, right? I mean, eventually you will be tempted to skip church or your church groups. Eventually a coworker is going to make you mad. Eventually your kids might frustrate you. Eventually someone's going to cut you off on the interstate or there's going to be traffic for absolutely no reason and and you're going to fall short. You're going to mess up. You're going to get angry. You're going to let all these emotions come out, right? If we're honest, we can all do good and be good for a little bit. Eventually, we will all mess up again. We will make a mistake again. We have all been there, right? So about a year after I got pulled over for beating the train across the tracks, which is the way I like to tell people, I started getting more and more comfortable pushing my limits again. And uh, it was about a year, maybe a little bit less than a year, that I got pulled over again for speeding. Now, that was my first and only speeding ticket. But, but see, right when I thought my parents had gotten over my mistakes, my big mistake, I made another mistake, right? That in my mind forced me to start the process of trying to earn their trust and their forgiveness all over again. See, sometimes we tell ourselves that the same is true between us and God, right? We almost did enough good to be forgiven and reconciled to God, and then, well, we went and messed it up now we have to try even harder and we have to hold ourselves to an even higher standard in order to win God's love and forgiveness, right? Every time we mess up, the bar gets higher. And every time we mess up, the bar gets even higher, right? And it's just this endless cycle of doing that. Now, if that's the way that life works and nothing can change it, then life is nothing more than an endless cycle of us messing up doing enough good deeds to be forgiven, and hoping that we don't mess up again. Because if we do, we're just going to have to do more and more deeds to be forgiven. And on and on and on and on goes that cycle, right? If this is how our relationship with God works, then life seems pretty miserable. Luckily, that's not reality. So I want to give you two pieces of good news that this scripture gives us, that our scripture today gives us to prove it. So I want you to listen to this scripture from Romans chapter five, verse one. In the NRSV, it says this, therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the CEB version says, the Common English Bible. Since we have been made righteous through his faithfulness, we have peace with our God through Jesus Christ. And that's from the Common English Bible. Now, did you catch what both of these versions say? The the first piece of good news that I want you to, to notice is that we aren't justified by doing good works. We aren't made righteous by saying the right things and praying the right words. Our relationship with God isn't reconciled because we are good enough or because we do the right things. Our relationship with God, the both of these versions make it very clear, is made right because of Jesus. You see, it's because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that we are forgiven and our relationship with God is made right. See, if we spend our whole lives trying to do enough good to earn God's love and God's grace and God's forgiveness, guess what? We're gonna fall short. But if we can have enough faith to believe and to trust that it's not by our own works, but by faith in Jesus that we are reconciled, then we can really free ourselves from this endless cycle of trying to be good enough in order to be forgiven by God. Now, I don't know about you, but living life without the burden of having to earn God's love and forgiveness sounds like a a way better option for me. Now, here's a second piece of good news that I want you to hear. This comes from uh, chapter 5, verse 10 of Romans. It says, if we were reconciled to God through the death of his son while we were still enemies, now that we have been reconciled, how much more certain is it that we will be saved by his life? Now, let me give you my translation of that verse. If while we were still sinners, God loved us enough to send his only son to die on a cross for us. Imagine how much more God will do for us now that we have been justified and reconciled. Now, let that sink in. If even at your worst and darkest days, God loved you enough to send his only son to die on a cross for you, how much more will God do for you now that you have been reconciled? If God was willing to pay the price for your reconciliation, even after putting so much distance between you and God, imagine how much more God will do for you now. now hear me say this, God loves you immensely more than you can even begin to imagine, God goes after you regardless of the cost. God wants you to experience abundant life free of shame or guilt or even regret. In fact, God loves you so much that God doesn't need you to be perfect before he can love you. God goes and pays the price, a price that you and I would never be able to pay on our own. And not only does he pay the price for us, not only does he make us right with him again, he promises us a future in which sin will no longer have any power over us. And friends, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live life with the burden of having to earn God's love over and over and over and over again. I do, however— want to live knowing that God loves me so much, that God paid the price not just for today, but for eternity. And that is a good news worthy of our trust. See, if my parents were able to love me despite my darkness and, and my biggest mistakes, how much more can God will love us and how much more can God love us uh, in the, even after our darkness and after our mistakes? Friends, God loves you. God doesn't want you to live with this burden. And my prayer this Lenten season is that you will come to believe these two truths and that they will give you abundant life now and forever. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mid-City Church Sermon Cast. If you'd like to dive deeper, visit midcity.church sermoncast to find a home sheet that goes along with this message. On the home sheet, you'll find scriptures, questions to wrestle with, and a challenge that goes along with this sermon cast. I want to invite you to support our ministry here at MidCity Church by giving today. To give, text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E to the phone number 225-307-0662. Thanks and see you next week.